Hey guys, thanks for joining us on Real Faith Radio, presented by Praise Chapel Las Vegas. Subscribe to us on Apple and Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify to get notified when new episodes are available to download or stream. You can also follow us on social media at PC Las Vegas and visit our website, praisechapellasvegas.com, to find out more about us and give online. Thanks again for joining and enjoy today's message. Amen. It's good to see everyone here tonight for our Wednesday night plug-in service. I'm just thankful to uh, to be here for uh, just another opportunity to minister the Word. I never take these things for granted or, or just uh, take these things lightly, but I always want to strive with excellency as I bring the Word here. And so uh, we got a good crowd here tonight just as we get together in the Word. And uh, I believe this is a very timely Word, um, as they all happen to be. Uh, but thankfully, in this circumstance here, I think that God's going to do some great things tonight. Um, and so tonight, uh, before I get into the Word, let's go ahead and just pray. I know God's already part of our service. God has met us in time of worship, and He's a part of our lives. But we want Him to be here for this, this next moment of time as I minister the Word. And so, Father, we just come to you right now. We just thank you so much, Father, just for who you are, your goodness, and just everything that makes you, you. And so, Father, I ask for your your presence here right now if they're on me, Father. Just minister through me. Let the church hear the voice behind the voice. And I just pray, Lord, during this moment of time, let us have open hearts and open ears to hear what your servant wants to to bring forth, Father God. I just pray, Lord, you anoint this word, Father. I just pray, Lord, you minister through it. And we bind distractions right now in the name of Jesus, Father. I just ask, Father God, let minister to hearts, make changes, Father God, where changes are needed, Father God. But more importantly, Father God, let it draw us closer to you, Father God, in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So tonight, um, I want to focus on relationships, um, relationships in a bunch of different forms here with those around us and how we process those conversations we have with each other. Um, You you see, in friendships, um, our relationships, our families, with our spouses, we engage in different types of conversations. Um, At times, we share what's what's going on in our day-to-day lives. We share, uh, you know, what's what's on our mind, what's on our hearts. Uh, Sometimes we also, um, you know, give a, a, a thought of appreciation. We, uh, we share uh, just thanks for those who have uh, been a part of our lives and give gratitude. Uh, but tonight, I want to focus on one of the more challenging parts of our relationships, the times where criticism is involved. You see, criticisms, be constructive or destructive, challenge our ears as we hear them. They challenge our minds as we try to understand them. And they challenge our hearts as we find whether or not to believe them. They can be challenging in not only receiving criticisms, but it can also be challenging in giving them the right way as Christ has called us to give them. Uh, church, we must realize that, come to realize as difficult as these moments are, it's in these critical moments that deeper and meaningful growth can take place in the relationships that matter the most in our lives. Um, so we're going to take a look at our first portion of Scripture here found in 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verses 21 through 25. So pull that up right here. And not going right there. All right, so first Peter chapter two, verse twenty-one. And so it says, For to this you have been called, because you have For it called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. 
He is your example, and you must follow in your footsteps. He never sinned, never deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we could be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds you are healed. For once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. And so tonight, the title of my message is Guards Up. Someone say guards up. Guards up. So see, right here in this portion of scripture here, unfortunately, it's not going to show up on the screens here. Uh, we're short a few people here, but just stay connected with me here. So here, Peter has just finished sharing with Gentile Christians about them being a chosen people, encourage them to press on in the midst of persecution. Peter goes on in his letter and reminds believers, not only then, but for us now to look to Christ as our example. Um, verse 23 of that passage shares that he did not retaliate when he was insulted, but that he left his case in the hands of God. Um, it's in this instance that we can see how the Lord has responded to criticisms he faced out as he carried his ministry, both as he heard them and as how he processed them afterwards. In order for us to take steps to become more like Christ, in this example, we must recognize the different kinds of criticisms we give and we receive. Um, the word criticism is defined in the Oxford Dictionary as this. It's the expression of disapproval of someone or something based on perceived faults or mistakes. And so we're going to break down criticisms here because we can hear that term often, criticism, criticism, and we never understand the full weight that that carries. We have to realize that criticism plays an important part in our lives because it represents moments to reflect on who we are as we hear it, and moments to share as what's important to us and honor what we value as we give criticism. And so there's multiple types of criticism. Um, you can get into different studies and theologies about the, the different types of criticisms that we see in our personal lives, but we're going to focus on two types tonight. Um, so first, we're looking at destructive criticism. As the name just suggests it's not given with the best intentions. So these are the kind of words that are given without much thought um, or any consideration, and they feel very personal, focusing on the person themselves rather than the actions of that person. Uh, when destructive criticism is given, and my folks here that uh, did EHR will recognize this, it is often given as complaints without solutions. This is the kind of criticism that's given without the giver taking any sort of personal responsibility for their own emotions or for their own feelings. Now, constructive criticism, on the other hand, is given with the intention of building someone up. You can look at it kind of like this. It's in the name of such destruction destroys, constructive creates. It builds someone up. Just as it builds up a, a structure, it builds up the person them themselves. These are words that are given with an honest, clear, and an actionable way. In contrast to destructive criticism, these are often complaints with solutions. So destructive is without the solution, constructive is with the solution. So there's that big difference right there. So rather than tearing the person down themselves, this criticism focuses on the actions themselves. Not the person, but the actions of the person. It's words that are given with the intention of improvement. Constructive criticism is given because the person cares about the relationship and they care about the person that they're giving this criticism to. This person also cares about what they're feeling as well. That's why they're bringing this criticism. They care about what they're feeling. They're validating their feelings and they're able to take accountability for what's on their heart and mind. 
The Bible shows us many times how important it is to give and receive criticisms. For instance, we're going to look at Proverbs 18, 15 through 21, um, the book where we found countless instances of wisdom. Um, chapter 18, verses 15 through 21 right here says, An intelligent heart inquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. You see, there's merit and wisdom for seeking out understanding. And the scripture right here shows us that if we realize and show love, someone say love. love. We show love to the words that we speak to others. The Lord will bless us with fruits. Now, we can hear that word fruits and we can think, oh, if I'm good in conversation, if I'm good with my words, then God's going to bless my finances or God's going to bless me in another facet of my life. And yes, that blessing could carry out over that, but that's not what the intention here is in the scripture. The fruits that they're talking about means that as you're faithful to your words, as you're a good steward to your conversation, the Lord will bless you with having better conversations in your life going forward. And so as you approach more and more of these critical times, because this isn't a one-off instance, these are instances that are going to go throughout of our lives. But as we're faithful to our words, God will bless us and give us better conversations, better moments of conflict with those around us. Um, so let us first recognize that it starts with the power of our words when it comes to those moments. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3 uh, starts off right here. I'm going to start with these few verses, and then I'm going to skip down a couple of verses. Um, so verses 1 through 3 of chapter 4 of Ephesians, it says, Therefore I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. I'm going to go down to verse 29 here of that same chapter. It goes on to say, the Apostle Paul, uh, Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your word would be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness. Someone say bitterness. bitterness. Rage, rage. Anger. anger harsh, words, harsh words. And slander. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God has, through Christ, has forgiven you. Amen. Amen. So we have to recognize that moments of valid, honest criticism and of sharing real emotions are done with respect, first and foremost. I know at times that we're trying to have a real conversation. It can start off with respect. It can start off with the best intentions. It can quickly escalate to disrespect. I realize they can go into that foul and abusive language that Paul talks about here. So in those moments here, let's not grieve the Holy Spirit in these defining moments of our lives. And let's live out the identity the Lord has called us to in these moments of conflict. We're, not to, we're called to take every effort to keep ourselves united in the Spirit, as it says in verse 2. Now, when we're talking about being united in the Spirit... We're not talking about being united in the spirit of offense. We're not talking about being united in the spirit of division. We are talking about being united in the Holy Spirit that unites us together in peace. True and genuine peace. Now, when I say peace, peace doesn't mean that we just forget about things as they happen to us and don't talk about it. Because that's living in false peace. 
And too many of us go throughout our lives feeling that that's the way of being a good Christian. That, you know, rather than deal with conflict, I'm just going to turn the other cheek. I'm going to bite my tongue and I'm, I'm just going to let it go. And that's creating a false peace. True peace is spoken about here in Ephesians where we make room for each other's faults. Yes, but we also need to make room for these conversations as they come up in order to keep ourselves united in the Holy Spirit. This is the atmosphere that we must steward and maintain to create this resting place for the Lord. It's nothing here that we're creating ourselves. The word right here in Ephesians establishes this culture. God has already called us to live. This is nothing new or profound. This is nothing that PCLV has created and ordained. We are abiding by the Holy Spirit, and His Spirit calls us to steward and be united together as His people. Through the midst of all this adversity, we are called to be united. Someone say amen. And so we are called to establish what has already been called by the word of God here in Ephesians 4. So you see, as we strive to become better givers and recipients of criticism, we also find this encouragement here in Proverbs 15, uh, verses 31 through 33. If you listen to constructive criticism, you will be at home among the wise. If you reject discipline, you only harm yourself. But if you listen to correction, you grow in understanding. Fear of the Lord teaches wisdom. Humility precedes honor. Now to give, give and receive criticisms, it can often feel unpleasant and it can be really difficult to hear. However, we have to realize here that posturing yourself in humility in these moments leads to wisdom and understanding for the future. Humility is recognizing who you are in moments of criticism and being emotionally and situationally aware of yourself and your actions. If we can clothe ourselves in humility, and I'm talking about true and genuine humility, not false humility, because sometimes we can also use that as a dirty fighting tactic in our conflicts. We can say, you know what, fine, I guess I, guess I always do things wrong, huh? I guess I can't get everything right. I guess I'm stupid here. I guess I'm dumb. We can start beating yourself, and that creates the false humility here of us bowing out for the conversation. And that's not true and genuine humility. This is where we can be honest with ourselves and take accountability of our actions. We can continue to bridge that gap of miscommunication with others in our lives. Um, let's see here. There are many instances in our lives where this understanding can help us be better with those conversations with those around us. So we're going to apply this to some real-life scenarios here because I can say all of this here, and it sounds great, but then we head out of the church, we head out into our cars, go home, and get into our regular conversations tomorrow, and this just goes blank and goes right out the window. So let's talk about this in real-life terms. So we could say this. Let's say that you've been wanting to catch up with one of your friends. You've uh, been wanting to see them a little bit, and you set up a time to go, hey, now go grab a bite to eat, go get some coffee. And your, your friend shows up 30 minutes late without saying anything to you. Or it could be something like this. Maybe you've been meaning to spend some time with uh, your family members, your spouse, and you notice that half the time that you guys are together, uh, your, uh, your family, your spouse is on the phone, and they're not really acknowledging what you're saying. And both those instances affect you. You know, your friend's late, and maybe you had some things planned afterwards. Maybe you had some things where you wanted to go run some errands beforehand. You had to be home at a certain time. And maybe for the instances where I'm talking about as far as uh, your, your family, your spouse being on the phone, maybe that bothers you because you wanted to spend some time with someone. You wanted to really uh, just have some good face-to-face -face conversations. And so because we've established these different types of criticisms, constructive and destructive, and we understand those biblical importance of understanding these interactions, 
Uh, let's identify these challenges that we could face in these critical moments and how we can navigate through those circumstances. And so the first thing I mentioned was that criticism challenges our ears. The first thing that we, the first way that we encounter it is through our hearing. It all starts with how we first hear that something's going on. If we're giving it, constructive criticism must be established in the right tone and the right timing. If we don't establish these two things from the beginning, we are setting ourselves up for potential failure. If you're wanting to have a conversation with someone, you don't want to blind someone and just catch them off guard. You want to just show them like, hey, I got to talk to you. It all starts with the right tone and right timing. Rather than that, it could be approaching someone, hey, do you mind if we talk about this? Uh, when are you free? Uh, setting up the proper time and coming the right way. If you're still in the flesh, if you're still upset or angry about it, it's probably not the right time to talk about it. It's coming in the right tone and the right timing. This is also the point where many of us receiving criticisms set ourselves up for failure. Um, oftentimes when we hear criticisms, our, per our personalities, our flesh, we get defensive, we deflect, we shut it down. We, if we do get into this position, we have to ask ourselves, what does this reaction say about me? What, what does my response say about me here? Let's say we're the ones in those two scenarios I described. Maybe we're the ones that are running late, Maybe we're the ones that are on our phones. Uh, we have to look at this and say, how do we honestly react at the first sound of criticism in our lives? Are we giving others an opportunity to speak into our lives so they can connect with us better, so that way we can grow as believers? There's growth that can happen in these moments, and when we respond to something in anger, it's only a surface emotion. Anger is never really the true root of what's going on. There's so much more beyond the surface, and Anger is just surface. There's so much more. And so when you find yourself reacting to criticism in such a harsh way, let us start with asking ourselves there, what does my reaction say about me? What does my reaction say about what's going on in my life? Now, the second thing that criticism challenges is our minds. You see, this is where we need to ask ourselves, what does the situation say about me? If we're speaking, if we're giving criticism, this is where we're sharing about what's important in our lives, what we appreciate, what we don't appreciate, and what we, uh, where we need to give complaints and criticisms. Uh, this is where we need to give it with solutions. Oftentimes, we're used to complaining, and the other person is expected to fix things. Maybe we've grown up with that mentality where it's like, all right, well, I can voice my grievances, and then at that point, they should know what to do. But Personal constructive criticism it requires us to take accountability of that. We know what's necessary to make ourselves whole, so we're accountable to give that solution to someone. It's not for the other person to figure out. We need to take accountability of our emotions. We need to take accountability of what's affecting us and present it with a solution of how to get things whole. Someone say amen. amen. And so if we're receiving these criticisms and complaints, this is also where we're supposed to get clarification on things that don't make sense. So let's just say someone is bringing that criticism. Hey, I noticed that you were 30 minutes late and you didn't tell me anything. Uh, I would have preferred that you would have let me know you were going to be late so that way maybe we could plan another time or so that way I can set things up. So um, This is the part where we're checking ourselves and really understanding what the root uh, understanding is and understanding if it makes sense to us. This is where we also stop mind reading. We're not going to insert a false reality, a false narrative that doesn't exist. This is the part where we're focusing on the words themselves and the nonverbal cues as well. 
You know, if it's someone that if their arms are folded, if it's someone that has tears in their eyes, it's someone that's upset. These are the times we're focusing on that and not projecting and not creating false realities with things that are not even being said in that moment. We have to focus on stepping into someone else's shoes and understand where the criticism is coming from. And so we got two things here. So criticism challenges our ears, our minds, and now this third part here, it challenges our hearts. Uh, this is where we must know that where our value remains in the eyes of the Lord. Critical moments can be difficult for everyone involved in them. Some of us here struggle with speaking up because we feel like it's not our place to speak up. Or we feel like it's not worth it because in the past, it hasn't gone the way that we've hoped for. Um, we can lie to ourselves and say that some things are never going to change. And so at this point, it's not worth having these kind of conversations. Uh, some of us receiving criticism struggle with those internally afterwards, where we just feel like we're failures, we're constantly getting things brought up, or we feel like no one understands us and understands what's going on in our lives. And so while constructive criticism is meant to bring you up and make you better as a person, know that you remain valuable to the Lord. You're worthy to use the voice that God's given you to share these real things that you feel. But you're also worthy of God's grace in the moments of criticism. Worthy and God does not look down on you and God does not condemn you in those moments. The Lord wants to break us out of all these false realities and this false peace. And these critical moments of our lives are meant to be rooted in love. 1 Corinthians 13, 1-3 sums this all up here that I'm saying here tonight. So 1 Corinthians 13, 1 says, If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. So the Lord wants us to know him deeper and more intimately here in his house and in every part of our lives. We can easily convince ourselves that as long as we love the Lord, as long as we're doing the good Christian thing and living our lives and serving in ministry, we can easily say like, that's all we need to go. But let us not forget what Jesus said in Matthew 22, verses 37 to 39. He said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Someone say all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. But verse 39 says a second is just like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So that is Jesus's greatest commandments. Love God and love others. Those are the two inescapable truths as believers that we have here. So let us follow this commandment that Christ gives us and show love to each other, even in the most difficult, critical moments of our lives. And let's show us by recognizing the weight of our words as we speak to each other and aim to be constructive in our speech rather than destructive. And let's value constructive criticism as we hear it and we take it as opportunities to grow as believers and grow in our relationships with others around us. And the last thing I want us to recognize is even though we face all these challenges through our ears, our minds, and our hearts, let us realize, even as we feel undervalued with this, that the Lord is there for us and He loves us through the midst of all of those moments. These kind of conversations maybe have been very difficult for us growing up. 
I know uh, just going through uh, emotional healthy discipleship uh, really made me aware of like having these conversations effectively. And honestly, a lot of times, maybe we've done those conversations wrong in the past, or we've been the recipients of those conversations. Maybe it's been more destructive in our lives than constructive. Uh, but I'm here to let you know, just in this new family of the Lord, just as he continues to, uh, to change us and bring revelation to our lives, I know God will be evident in our conversations here. And even when you don't receive those loves, because it's easy sometimes to have these conversations more in the church than it is with our family members who aren't saved, just because uh, it's just less love in there. But as you continue to be faithful, you're just planting seeds in it. Just know that there's value in your voice. Know that there's value in just bringing these things all together. And even as you hear criticisms, it's not a knock on you. God doesn't look at you less than. That's the great thing of God's love for us is that he doesn't, even as we're doing things good, doesn't mean that he sees us he is even better um, or he doesn't look at us lower if we're doing things wrong. He looks at us all the same. He values us all the same. Someone say amen. Amen. So let's go ahead and uh, stand up and bow our heads.